Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Saw, bro. How are you? Fan-freaking-tastic. Just kidding. That's How... ugly. <laughs> That's ugly? Yes. How is your sweatshirt? Oh, you mean your sweatshirt? Yes. It's great. It's great. Thank you so much for asking. That I got from Undisclosed Company that I work for. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I feel brain dead. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. Y'all ever just feel brain dead? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Sick. Sick, brother. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just been one of those weeks where, like, I literally am just like, hello? Like, is there anything going on in my brain? It happens. It happens. It does. Although, in other news, unrelated to this podcast, I got a job today, so that's cool. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I worked and so have, hard. Their appetizers are, like, It's an expensive $25. <laughs> yeah. The appetizers started, like, 20 bucks For avocado hummus. Ridiculous. But anyway... <laughs> We're talking about the desert today. Okay. We're going to get warm. We're going to get toasty. Dry. A little bit too warm and toasty, actually, now that I think about it. Well, you know, it it is a survival podcast. That's true. There is going to be some pretty intense survival happening. Probably a lack of water, if I might guess. That is a fair assessment. That's a good guess. Mm -hmm. I last week mentioned we would do a story relating to a dog. Unfortunately... That's not happening today. But I did find a documentary series, like very short documentaries, like, you know, 20 minutes each, uh, called My Pet Saved My Life or something like that. They're like short stories of like little pets. So if I did like an episode about it, it would have to be like a compilation of like a bunch of little stories. Do you think that's something that we'd be into? I would be into it. You'd be into it. Okay. Uh, maybe and, I'll throw a poll onto the as, Patreon. As the audience, I'm also into it. I'm <laughs> speaking for them now. Okay. I don't know why you wouldn't be. I'll throw a poll on the Patreon. We'll see what the people say. Yes, yeah, let the people speak. Could you imagine if, like, your bearded dragon saved you? <laughs> or, like, your iguana? Just, like, in, a, a pet that you completely would never think. In what scenario would a bearded dragon save your life? I don't know. That's why it would be so crazy, would it not? Yeah. What scenario would they get you out of? I don't know. Maybe they take their claw and, like, cut something that you're uh, tied to. I don't know. That you're tied to? I don't know. Some, some, like, lizards are really freaking big. Mm -hmm. What if, like, a snake came up to you and it was like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And it was... (laughs) No, no, no. When I say I'm brain dead, I feel like I'm brain dead. No, no. <laughs> Hear me out. What if a snake came up to you with its, like, venomous teeth and it, like, was going to bite you and then your big, big lizard was like, not today, bitch. You know what I'm saying? That's ugly. You're done. You've been stopped. First of all, snake teeth? Yeah, they you bite it the into fangs? you. Yeah, the fangs. They bite it into your shit. That's not good. <laughs> Just like a... <laughs> What if, like, a snake, like, went up to you and was, like... (laughs) I've chosen violence today. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. No, that's funny. That was a little too easy. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. It was a dumb thing to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yo, what I mean, like your boa constrictor could save you. Like you, you're getting burgled, and they just constrict the burglar. Oh my god, that'd be you know what that's I mean? like that movie Anaconda. Yeah, have you ever seen Anaconda? I saw no. it. I think it's called Anaconda. It's a, just about a gigantic fucking snake, and I saw mm-hmm. it when I was like. I don't know, eight or nine years old, and it scarred me. Really? Yeah. Did it star Nicki Minaj? Unfortunately not. No. The queen was not there. Was not there. But what if you could train a boa constrictor? Like, can you train them like a German shepherd? Oh my god, that'd be terrifying. You know? I feel like that would only be used for evil. You know, right? And you just, like, walk around a corner, and you're like, oh, hey, dude. Hi, John. Is there... And he, John just goes... <laughs> not John. John just goes and all out of nowhere like a boa constrictor just pins you to the ground no but on the real though like when a snake bites you like a venomous snake it literally turns your blood into like a solid have you ever seen that no it like turns your blood into like jelly oh wait no i have and yes that is terrifying it's horrifying yeah yeah anyway this story has nothing to do with snakes (laughs) You know, I could keep going on this. I'm, like, just imagining, like, an evil villain, like, petting his boa constrictor. Yeah, like, is there a supervillain that is, like, snake-related? I don't know. I don't, like, I'm not a very big superhero person, so I don't really know me if there's either. a snake a snake one. But if there is, let me know. Marvel, where you're at? Like, they literally come out with one tomorrow. They should owe me some money if they you know, do, because... Right? I don't How know did we world... get here? I don't know. <laughs> this... Let's stop and jump into the story. Let's get into the story. So we're going to be talking about the desert, and I got my story today from the documentary series, I Shouldn't Be Alive. So thank you, I Shouldn't Be Alive. Thank you. Let's The honorable in. people at I Shouldn't Be Alive. Yes. So, Shelley Hubbard decided to take her two daughters, Tiffany and Michaela, along with her new boyfriend, Roger Sargent, out into the Arizona desert to have a nice afternoon together in nature. All right, that sounds very quaint. Sounds lovely. Tiffany was nine years old, and Michaela had just started kindergarten, but the girls had both been raised doing very outdoorsy things, so this was not new to them by any means. And it was a good break going out into the desert for them because it was close enough and they could just grab a couple of packs of hot dogs and make a day out of it. So that's what they were doing. They're like, we're going to have a quick lunch, see some dirt. You're, like, really trying to sell the experience. You're like, hey, guys. You know, there's, uh, there, it's, there's dirt, you know? You ever tried the desert? You ever? <laughs> Actually, I've driven through the desert, and that shit's scary. I'm sure I've talked about that before, but it, it really left an impact. I know. It's like, it's so dark. It was so dark. Oh, my God. But anyway, this trip was extra special to them because Roger had just moved in with Shelly and the girls, and they wanted to have some bonding time. That way, everything went smoothly with this new life transition they were going through. You understand. Mm -hmm. And the girls really liked Roger, and they were at the age where, you know, they were really looking for a father figure. So things were going well. They were having a grand old time. Love that. The family had driven from their home 40 miles away. But for Roger, this was all very new. But Shelley had been coming to this area of the desert since she was a child, Her family growing up didn't have a ton of money, so for entertainment, her family would go out into the desert for something to do. And the Arizona desert covers 127 square miles, so she's pretty big, and it is known as one of the world's harshest environments. We will soon come to find out. Is it worse than, like, Death Valley in California? I mean, probably. Okay, you know. It's a desert. Sure. But for Shelly and the kids, it was where they went to have fun. 
and they would bring out a gun and shoot discs out of the sky. You know what I'm saying? Where they like go, oh, oh. that shit. That's fun. Yeah. So that's what they would do. Wait, so we have a kindergartner like taking a shotgun and shooting shells? No, I think I think that would be little, pretty badass. I think little baby Michaela was kind of just sitting on the the trunk of the car with her little, you know, headphones over her ears to like block out the sound. Right. Watching and, mommy yeah, shoot discs out juice, of the sky, maybe like a G. Yep. But like I said, this was all very new for Roger. He was the kind of guy who worked in an office with AC. And if something in his house needed to be fixed, he would call someone else to do it. You know, he was from New Jersey. So this was new, new. if you will. Yep. Yeah, we understand. So Shelly was interested to see how Roger would do out there. So this was kind of funny for her. A little test? Yeah, a little bit. Like, see how he does. Yeah, see if he can get down. Get some calluses on his hands. Get down with the girls. Get a little... Get dirty. Yeah, exactly. So the day went well, but by four o'clock, Shelly wanted to get the girls home before it got dark. Because she knew that at night, the desert became a much more dangerous place. You never knew who you could run into out there at night, because there, there was a lot of illegal trafficking that was done through that desert. The Mexican border is close by, and violent gangs patrol that area, so she definitely didn't want to be there after dark. Okay. Especially with her two young girls. Yep, get the fuck out. Right. But at that point, they still had daylight, and the trip home was only an hour, so they weren't super concerned about any of that stuff quite yet. So they loaded everything up into the car, and... They start their drive home. And on the drive, they were all talking and laughing and having just a generally good time. Shelly had made this journey a bunch of times before, so she knew the area really well. But although she knew the area well, they had picked a new spot in the desert to have lunch that day. And after about 30 minutes of driving, Shelly realized that she was in unfamiliar terrain. Uh Uh-oh. Not only did she not know where she was anymore, but she could also tell with the weed growth that the path she was on wasn't traveled very often either. But even though the trail seemed to be not super well used, she figured that this road would just connect to a main road that she was used to, so she just kept going forward. But as time went on, the dirt road got even more and more uneven and further away from civilization. And they drove until they got to a dry riverbed that went right across their path. So there was just this big dip in the road and the sides of it were really steep. And they would have to literally drive like into it and then back out of it to, you know, stay on the same path that they were on. And since the car they had was two-wheel drive, Shelly and Roger got out of the car to assess the situation. And Shelly told Roger that she didn't think the car would make it if they attempted to go to keep going forward. The only traction they had was in their back tires. But Roger assured Shelly that he could get behind the wheel and drive them through it and they would be out of there in no time. Okay. Bum, bum, All right, bum. Yeah. So, what are they in, like, a Prius? No, they were in, like, a... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Some sedan. Some kind of car. So four wheels. <laughs> four wheels, right. you know, it's typical... This is not an off-roader, is my point. Not really. I mean, it was like kind of trucky. You know what I mean? Trucky. A hatchback. I'm going to give it a quick goog. Give it a goog. Yeah, I still don't know what it's called after Googling it, but it's like a truck with a big metal cover over the truck bed. So it it looks like it's part of the car, but it's kind of a truck. I'm not a truck person. Uh, I'm not a car person. the, uh, The truck bed is covered. Listen, the only important part of this piece of the story is that it's a two wheel drive car, only tread. Only 
force is in the back wheels. Okay? Yep. Only tread. Only, only tread. tread in the back wheels. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hoping to save the day, Roger takes over and drives the car forward as Shelly stands outside of the car watching him do this. And sure enough, as he drove down into the dip in the road and then back up, the bumper got hung up, which made it so the back tires weren't touching the ground, which was their only traction. So no back tires, no drivey. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So the rear wheels were just spinning with nothing happening, and they were totally stuck in the sand. But Roger had another plan, of course. Plan B. Roger, full of plans and ideas. So he had all the girls get out of the car, and they all gathered sticks and rocks to put underneath the wheels. That way the car would have something to grab onto, and they'd be able to drive out of there. Easy peasy, you know? What? They put. They were trying to put I stuff under the tires. I understand the concepts, but I don't know if your wheels are not touching the ground, if that's going to help you. Like, they were touching the ground, but they were just kicking up dust. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it was kind of just hung up. I think the bumper oh, was okay. really hung kind of thing hung bumper yeah exactly got a bad case of the hung bumper you know what i'm saying <laughs> what <That's... laughs> i feel brain dead okay <laughs> just got a hung bumper dude is that what the episode title's gonna be hung bumper dude not the hung bumper <laughs> that doesn't even sound like english anymore no okay. we are losing it yep so the back wheels were pretty high off the ground because the car was at a slant, so they had to just keep piling rocks underneath. And at this point, nine-year-old Tiffany didn't know what was going on, but she wasn't worried because, you know, parents save the day. That's just what happens. She had no doubt that they would get the car out of there and they'd be back on the road within just a few minutes. But unfortunately, little Tiffany was wrong. They didn't have shovels or anything, and the rocks weren't really working, so Roger got back behind the wheel and tried revving the engine, but the tires just continued to spin, and the car started smoking. Not good. So Shelly yelled for him to stop before the car caught fire, and their situation got even worse. No matter what they did, they couldn't get enough weight under the wheels. So Shelly said, okay, it's time to call for help. We've done enough damage here. Let's take out the old cell phone. But when she took out said old cell phone, it was dead. Oh. It was the only cell phone they brought, and it was dead. And there wasn't a charger in the truck either, because this was like early 2000s. It was like a little flip phone that was dead, and probably wouldn't even really have that much service out there anywhere. Anyway. Right. And at this point, Shelly and Roger are starting to realize just how bad their situation actually is, and Shelly can't help but think about how she should have just stuck to her guns and told Roger no, and Roger is feeling like a real jackass. So yeah. Shelly gives him an earful. Oh, yeah. Rightfully so. Can they reverse? No, they're, they're, they got a hung bumper. Hung bumper. I'm just thinking, can't everyone sit in the back of the car, weigh it down, get the wheels on the ground? I'm no. an ideas guy, okay? No, that's not how it works. No? It's it's a dip in the road, so like the car literally... You can reverse backwards no, you can't and just because go the... back from whence we came. No, you can't go back from whence we came because the whole problem is, is the back wheels aren't like touching ground. That's what I'm saying. Get some weight. Push down. Listen. Touch the ground. I understand that you want them to get out of this in this way. It's not going to happen. It's not how it can works. Can we rewrite the story? Unfortunately, the we The script can't. is not doing it for me. Unfortunately, this is a real story where real people experienced it, so you can't rewrite it. Crazy. 
they only had enough food and water in the truck with them for that day because they were really only going for lunch. And this is something that Shelly did all the time for her entire life. And now she's, you know, doing it with her own kids. So this is very routine for her. So they really only had enough water and food to last them the afternoon. And they ate that food and drank the water. So that's bad. Roger knew they were going to have to stay the night, but Shelly knew just how dangerous it was, like I mentioned, so now they know that they are in deep shit. The girls slept in the car while Shelly and Roger laid on top of the car, armed with their skeet shooting gun. Did you know that that's what that was called? There's a specific gun for it? Skeet shooting? Did you know? Yeah, I think I did know that it was skeet shooting. I don't know if there's a specific type of gun or if it's literally just a shotgun, but they said it was their skeet shooting gun, so that's what they're armed with. And Shelly said that none of them slept that night. And thankfully, the night passed without any kind of incident. In the morning, everyone got up with a renewed sense of energy and hope that they would get out of this mess. They thought that the daylight would help them see exactly what the issue was and how they could fix it. But still, the truck was very much stuck. And Roger, at this point, knew that he had to come up with something or they wouldn't make it out. And that's when he remembers that on their drive, they had passed what looked like an abandoned truck with no wheels a little while back. So they figured their best bet was to try to at least make it back to that truck and see if there was like a jack in it or something they could use to get their car out. But that was going to be a four mile hike. And all they had was two small Gatorade bottles full of water. Shelly knew that when you get stranded like that, leaving the car was a huge risk, but if they sat with the car and waited for someone to stumble upon them, it may take days or even longer with how untraveled this dirt road looked. They started their journey to the other truck around 7am, and even at that time, the sun and heat was absolutely oppressive. It was going to be an extremely hot day and a long hike. And not like 90 degrees hot, it was going to be somewhere around 115 to 118 degrees Fahrenheit or 46 to 48 degrees Celsius. Yeah, no. Which is extremely hot. Yeah. But it's a dry heat. Each week I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone, as one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chataholic and hear their stories. I was just about to bring that up. It's a dry heat. Like, literally anyone who's anywhere. Like, Arizona? Yeah. No, well, like, literally anywhere that you go, like, how is it in LA? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, it's 90, but it's just a dry heat. It's a dry heat. You know, it's totally different from a 90 in Florida. (laughs) Right. Which is true, but 118 is a whole other thing. Yeah. This walk was particularly tough on the kids because they were so much smaller than Shelly and Roger that they would get dehydrated so much quicker. And Roger is carrying Michaela, who's, you know, five years old, and Tiffany was walking alongside her mother with a small umbrella to try to block the sun. 
but they didn't fully understand how bad everything was. So every 20 feet, they wanted to stop and take a sip of the, you know, little bit of water that they had. And soon enough, they only had one small Gatorade bottle of water left. Tiffany had already had enough, but Shelly had to keep pushing them forward. You know, because you're a kid, you don't understand how dangerous the situation you're in. And it's it's hot. You don't want to keep walking. So you're like, I don't want to do this. And Shelly's like, listen, you gotta. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But because of how many times they had to stop for the kids, it took them five hours to reach this Bronco. And as they walked up to the Bronco, Shelly told the girls to take a nice long rest while they searched the car for, you know, this Jack that they were hoping was there so that they would be able to get out of there. And they went through the entire truck and pulled apart everything completely, but there wasn't a Jack or anything they could have used that would have been useful to them. So it was pretty disappointing. But by that time, they only had about three inches of water left in this small bottle to begin with. So now things are starting to look way worse. No car, no food, no more water, 118 degree heat. It's noon. It's noon. So, you know, the hottest part of the day Mm -hmm. without any more water. And they're in the middle of the desert. Things are looking bad. And that's when Roger decided that he needed to do something drastic. He told Shelly he would go for help and the three of them should just wait by this truck in the shade until he got back because at the rate the kids were going, he would be way faster on his own. Also, they were still miles from civilization and if the kids went, he knew they might not make it at all with, you know, how small their bodies were. This was one of the toughest things for him to do in his life, but he put on a brave face, kissed them all goodbye, and started off down the path in a slow jog because he was that frantic that he was even jogging in this heat in the desert. He felt extremely guilty for everything that, you know, he did to get them into this mess, and Shelley knew that because as she watched him almost run away, she thought to herself that you really can't be doing that in that kind of heat. Roger's best chance of finding help was finding a main road, but he had no idea where he was going. And after only half an hour, he was feeling the effects of the 118 degree heat. He realized very quickly that he shouldn't be breathing through his mouth anymore because with each breath he took, he would lose just a little bit more moisture. He had been following the only path in front of him, but after a while, he came up upon a split in the road which is never something you want to come across in a situation like this. So he had to decide which way to go. One way would take him out, and the other way would take him deeper into the desert and farther away from anyone. Roger noticed that one of the trails had less tire tracks on it, so he figured that couldn't have been the way out since it seemed less traveled. That's smart. But he had no idea which way was actually correct. So instead of going forward, he turned right. We're going to find out if that was a smart choice later. So as Shelly waited for Roger with her two girls, she started to really worry about them. They were getting really weak and they had no more water and were completely helpless. They had put all of their trust in Roger to get them out. But after three miles down the path he had chosen, he was completely lost. He slowed down and looked out at the enormous desert in front of him with the sun completely beating down on him and he realized that he had no point of reference. So he tried to, you know, gather any kind of thing that he could to make a sign in the road saying, hey, you've been here before or, you know, 
that way he could find his way back even. So anytime he would find something on the ground, like a can or a used water bottle, he would use it to mark his path. That way he could find his way back to Shelly and the girls. But by mid-afternoon, with no sign of Roger, Shelly started getting really desperate. And she says to the girls, maybe we should start walking too. The girls were not doing well at this point and didn't want to walk, obviously, but Shelly told them that if Roger died and they sat there and waited for him, they could potentially die too. Which is tough to say to a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, but you gotta kind of be brutally honest at that point, you know? Yeah, there's no more hiding it from them. No. So she picked up Michaela and Tiffany picked up her umbrella and the three of them started walking. The heat was absolutely unbearable. Tiffany recalled that the entire time they were out there, it was like standing too close to a fire. And the entire time you're just getting burned. It was that hot. The girls had no energy left, but they also had no choice. By that time, Roger had been walking for eight hours in the sun. He was suffering. No water, blinding heat. And in these conditions, the average person needs two pints of water per hour but Roger didn't have any. And out of nowhere, he sees ahead of him that there's a cattle trough in the distance. If there was water in it, it could literally save him. So he starts jogging toward it and hoping for the best. But as he gets up to it, he sees that it is completely dry, which is unsurprising in that kind of heat, like any kind of moisture in there would have dried up. But you know, you see something in the distance that could hold some sort of liquid and you're like, this is for me. Yeah, no, you're probably a little delirious. Exactly, yeah. And he gets so mad at that point and starts picking up rocks and throwing throwing them at the trough and just kicking it, which also isn't a very smart move because you're wasting more energy, but also he was in a very helpless situation, so you can't really judge anyone in that kind of scenario. Yeah, no. No, of course not. And that's when he knew that things were not going to get better anytime soon, which I'm sure is one of the most helpless feelings in the world. But by that point, Shelly and the girls had been walking for hours, and every few feet they had to stop and and rest for the girls. And they didn't have any sign of Roger. But finally, they came across the same cross in the road that Roger came to, and they would have to make the same decision that he did. Shelly had noticed that Roger had been marking his trail with little things along the way. So to the right, there was like a, a dead bush, and he had marked it with an empty water bottle. So she knew that he had gone to the right. But she also realized that she knew this cross section and she knew that if they went straight and over the mountain, they would be home. But if they went to the right, they would go deeper into the desert. So Roger went deeper into the desert. So Roger picked the wrong way. So she sees that Roger marked the path with a water bottle on the bush and she knows that he went the wrong way and is going deeper into the desert. And she has to make an insanely tough decision, even harder than Roger, because she knows that home is straight. But Roger went to the right. And if he finds help, he's going to come back the way he came and they won't be there. She also had to decide that if they go straight, whether or not the kids would even make it over the mountains. So knowing she's going farther from home, she decides to go right and gamble on Roger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because if he finds someone, then he's going to come back and they're not going to be there. Right. But if he just keeps going, then you can go save him. 
potentially if she finds somebody, but if nobody's going that way either. But she said home. It's still a very big desert. Like she knows that over the mountains is very far away. Oh, okay. So she would have to walk with these two little girls far to make it home in the first place. So it's either like we're going to run into someone first if we go this way or Roger's going to run into someone first, which is probably even more likely because he's had more distance covered. And if he comes back and we're not there, then we're dead. Yeah, it's a tough choice. Really tough. But she gambles on Roger. They didn't have good odds either way. So it was just a shitty situation all around. As time went on, they all got more and more dehydrated. Without water, the body can't flush out poisons or regulate its temperature, causing weakness, headaches, and delirium. And all of those symptoms were setting in for Shelley and the girls. They said that their thirst was unreal. They would have done anything for water. It hurt to take each step. And as they walked on, they came across the dumped belongings of illegal immigrants. And immediately they started digging through everything that they could find to try to see if there was any water there, but no luck. Tiffany asked her mother if all of these people had died out there. And Shelley told her, no, of course not. But then she asks, do you think we're going to die out here? And of course, Shelley is thinking, maybe, but she couldn't say that to her kids. I know that you said it was time to be brutally honest. Not in that not with that question. Yeah. So Damn. she said, no, I don't think yeah, so. Or, or she probably just didn't answer at all because better than not than lying, I guess. I don't know. Realizing that there was nothing in these scattered belongings for them was a horrible feeling. But they had to continue forward. So they kept walking. And hours after Roger, they came up on the same trough. And they had the same thoughts that he did. And they were like, maybe there's water in there. And they, you know, run up to this trough. And of course, there's no water in the trough. So bad times for everyone. At that point, they had had two really discouraging experiences. You know, first looking through these scattered belongings and now the trough. So Shelly decided that it was time for a rest. And as they sat there, Tiffany could feel her lip and her tongue sticking to her mouth and it was driving her crazy because her her mouth was so dry that she literally couldn't talk or, you know, anything. Her lips were sticking. And that's when she suggested they try getting to the root of a cactus because she had learned in her biology class that roots of a cactus hold water. Whoa, Tiff saving the day? So she walked over to a small cactus and kicked it over, grabbed the roots and put them in her mouth, but there was no moisture there either. Although the roots were dry, Shelly got a burst of inspiration by this story because she had always learned that cactuses held a lot of water as well. And I mean, I feel like I knew that. That's like just something you kind of know right. in the back of your head. Yeah. The cactuses like hold a lot of water, yeah, but also... So do camels. Yeah, right. Then they're hump. So she thinks that if she shoots a cactus, that she could probably get some water out of it and fill up her small Gatorade bottle. What? This is in her, you know, delirium. She's thinking, <laughs> can't you just break it open? I'm gonna shoot a cat. Well, that would hurt your hands. <laughs> or just take a rock and she has a bust gun. it open. She got a gun. So she don't, she <laughs> Seems like a, a little overkill. <laughs> She's mad. I mean, fair enough. So she shot up a cactus, but when she reached inside the hole, it just felt like sawdust. Damn, even the cactuses are. Yeah. The cacti, excuse me, are dry. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, so the cactuses were dry. No moisture to be found anywhere. 
And it's safe to say that at that point they were desperate. And by that time, night was coming again. As night fell, Roger knew that all he could do was hope for the best for Shelley and the girls, and he decided to lay down and try to get some kind of rest. And as he lay there on the desert floor, he had a one-sided conversation with Shelley and the girls. He told them how sorry he was for getting them into this, and they just needed to hold on and to trust him. I can't imagine how terrible this man must have felt. Yeah, he's gone through it. I mean, they're all going through it, but like... To know that you're the reason they're in this mess in the first place? Like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, Shelly, who was with her girls, just sat up again and watched the night as her daughters rested because she's not going to fall asleep, you know, knowing that there's potentially a lot of danger lurking in this desert. She's not going to get any kind of sleep. Right. So she's completely exhausted from dehydration and being in the heat all day, no food, and this is now her second night with not a wink of sleep. But she decides that they need to keep walking and take advantage of the cooler temperature of, you know, 85 degrees Fahrenheit instead of 118 degrees Fahrenheit so they can cover more ground. Because she knew that if they didn't get some kind of distance that night, they were never going to make it once the sun rose again the next day. And as they were getting up to start walking again, the silence of the desert was broken by the sound of a car approaching. Shelly sees headlights coming right for them. So she starts frantically waving her hands in front of the lights. But in their relief, Shelly forgot all about the dangers of the desert at night. And the car gets closer and closer, but drives directly past them. Tiffany asked why it didn't stop for them as they all turned around to watch it drive off. But as they turn around to look back at it, the car slows down and starts to turn around on the trail to now face them again. And as Shelly is watching, she feels just a pit in her stomach and gets this overwhelming, uneasy feeling as this car is now facing her again. This car was stopped in the middle of the path, shining its light forward, and it's revving its engine at Shelly and the girls. It sounded as if the driver had pushed the accelerator to the floor with how much sound the revs were making. So now Shelley believes that the driver of this car is a member of one of the dangerous gangs that patrols the area, and she tells her girls to run. So Tiffany immediately just grabs Michaela by the hand and they start running, and Shelley grabbed a gun and pointed it directly at the car in front of her. And the car started driving quickly toward Shelly and then turned right, right before getting to her and turned around in the path and took off away from Shelly and the girls. Damn, I would have shot him. I mean, I'm sure she didn't want to do any confrontation if she didn't actually have to, you know, because she didn't know how many people were in this car. She didn't know what kind of weapons they might have. How many shells she has. Right, exactly. She wanted to stand her ground, make her point, and hopefully they would leave, and they did. Yeah, fuck, what would have happened if she didn't have the gun? I don't know, and I don't really want to know, to be honest. Shelly said she couldn't believe that out of all the things that could have killed them out in the desert, like mountain lions or rattlesnakes or anything like that, the only thing that had threatened their lives was another person. Yeah, it's fucked up. So morning finally came, and so did the heat. And Shelly went into it knowing that they wouldn't make it through another day of walking. The only hope at survival was Roger, but he was struggling too, and he was doing the same thing with the cactus. He had found a cactus and he broke it open and, you know, put some of it in his mouth, which at first felt great, 
but after only a second, it dried up and it made his entire mouth feel like it was full of sawdust. But although it was disgusting, he did manage to get just a few drops of water out of it, so he had some kind of moisture, even if just for a second. It had been 24 hours since the girls had any kind of water, and they were losing their minds as they sat in the shade of one of the big weeds. Their lips and faces were cracked and burned, and, you know, they're just really bad. Tiffany told her mom that in her science class, she had learned that if you absolutely need to, you can drink your own pee. And Shelly said that she didn't think that would be good, but Tiffany said she had to have something. She was so thirsty that the thought of drinking pee was better than not drinking anything. They needed liquids really badly. In these conditions, you can lose 10% of your body weight through fluid loss alone. Any more than that can be fatal. So Shelly stood up, and she peed into the water bottle and handed it to Tiffany. While being interviewed as an adult, aka Tiffany, she said that she will never forget the taste. It was absolutely disgusting, and after that, Shelly forced herself to take a, sw a swig as well, and again, it was nasty, and she also put some of it in Michaela's mouth because they're all doing it now, which, you know, wasn't appreciated. This five-year-old is like, what the hell? I can't imagine. Right. And... I had a biology teacher who, in every single class, would pee into a cup and then drink it himself. I forgot you told me about this. Is that not insane? He? Like, is he, he well? He was known as the teacher every single year to pee in a cup in one class and drink it. Do you have a partner? What? Was he married to a person? I think so. <laughs> Could you imagine being married to Pee Guy? Oh my god. Could you imagine he comes home from, from work that day and you like kiss him and then you're like, uh, You have pee? piss breath. Not piss Do breath. Do you not? Yeah. Did he ever give a reason why? Because he was like, if you're in a pinch, you can drink your pee. I've heard that you shouldn't do that. Right. No, I don't think you should, but he- Because it's like drinking salt water. Right? I'm not, just, honestly, I don't know. Don't take this as a, a, you know. Yeah, Google this for sure. Don't don't drink your pee. But I've heard <laughs> conflicting things. I don't know. But I do know that I had a biology teacher who I witnessed drink his own pee. Bruh, I still can't, I, I can't get past this. It's like, dude, there's a drinking fountain right, right there. Right, Like, no. there's actual water. He clearly didn't he, do it as like a way to nourish no, himself. No, he, he liked drinking pee, clearly, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around that there's a person in this world who likes drinking their own pee and right. would do so in front of his students, students right. and other faculty. Oh, faculty? Faculty. Understand. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. But anyway, uh, point being, people do it. It's bad. Don't do it. Is this like a PSA? But anyway, if you heard that, and you were like, I my mind's changed. A PSA? Please email us. I want to talk. <laughs> a PSA. Do you understand? <laughs> Shut up. I, I'll, I'll leave. I'll, I'll show myself out. Okay, so let's get back to it. So they're so thirsty they drink pee, which is not a good place to be in. And after that incident, Shelly made her last attempt at getting help by trying to build a fire. So they gathered sticks and brush as the sun got higher and higher into the sky and as they were doing that, Shelly thought about Roger and how he may have not even made it. But then she hears his voice, and she says to the girls, Roger's here! And she starts yelling and waving her arms. But after a moment, she realizes that Roger was not there, and she was hallucinating. 
Oh, no. Yeah. Roger, too, was showing signs of advanced dehydration as he walked. The severe lack of water blocked vital impulses to his brain, and his vision started to get really blurry. He said he knew he was in major trouble when he stopped sweating, because that meant there wasn't any more moisture left in his body to get out of his pores. But however tough it was, the thought of Shelly and the kids kept him going no matter what. And at last, off in the distance, he sees a car driving toward him down the road. He said he knew that at that time of day, it wasn't going to be a human smuggler or, you know, something like that. So he ran up to the car, or rather, he walked up to the car because he's very weak at this point with the very little energy that he had left and up to the open window of a man in the passenger seat. He could barely speak because of the lack of moisture in his mouth, but he tries to tell the two men, thank you, oh my god, thank god you're here, my girls are stuck in the desert, we need your help, please. But he doesn't know if these people speak Spanish, so he says agua. But this fucker said something along the lines of, agua looks like we have ourselves an illegal, and then says, you want a drink? And he opens his canteen, takes a sip of a sip out of it himself and spits it at Roger before the two men drive off. The way you are looking is the way that I felt when I saw this. You're, you have a very, a very disgusted look on your face for those, you know, not in the room right now. I'm horrified. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This yeah. is a person who's dying yeah. and you just spit water in their face mm-hmm. and drove off. Right. I don't even care. Like, it's the worst of humanity. Yeah. Truly. I couldn't even believe. How do you not, like, does it just lost on you that this could be you? Like, is this just, get out of your own fucking head and, like, realize that if you were in his position, you might not want what you just did to happen to you. <laughs> well, that. You know? Yeah. Like, this is just such a basic thing. Just basic compassion for another person is, like, not a big thing. Like, you just, the apparently, smallest. Apparently, it's quite hard for this man oh my god like i when well, i saw two this, people there both of them yeah you know disgusting disgusting they had water too they could have helped him they yeah. were gonna, this is a whole family too mm-hmm. but roger his appearance had changed so much because of you know the sun and like being burnt that i guess he resembled someone who could have been mexican or you know whatever so these people were like oh we have an illegal as if that makes him any less of a person. Like, that's I was like, yeah, disgusting. this, like, literally should not matter. No, it literally, it does not matter at all. But, like, the fact that somebody would do that because they think a person is, like, an well, illegal yeah. immigrant is, like, I mean, <gasps> it's just disgusting. It's I couldn't even that believe. That is ugly. That's ugly. Seriously. So, I can't even imagine how helpless that feeling must have been for him. And he just dropped to the ground because he knew that Shelly and the girls were already running on empty and there was no guarantee that he was going to run into another person. This could have been his only chance at survival. And this person literally spit water in his face and drove away. Shelly just kept pushing the girls forward. Each step they took was harder than the last, but she just kept him going. Shelly held Michaela, and Tiffany was just still walking very slowly behind them, and Tiffany told her that she couldn't go on anymore. It had been two days without water in the blistering heat, and the children's bodies were shutting down. 
they were little. And this part gets a little dark. I want to preface this by saying these children survive because this is a survival podcast after all, but it's, it's a little dark. So Tiffany was so exhausted that she told her mother to shoot her. Oh my God. This little nine-year-old. She said she really didn't want to live anymore because of how painful it was. Obviously, Shelly's heart absolutely sunk when she heard her daughter say that. So she told her that they would walk slowly together, just one foot after the other, as she held on to Tiffany. Because she knew that she had to keep them going. Shelly literally never gave up. It had taken Roger two days to walk 13 miles in the heat. And at this point, he was losing the battle of survival as well. He couldn't feel any pain anymore. It was just hot numbness, is how he described it. But just as Roger was about to give up all hope, he again saw something on the horizon. It was another car coming up the same path the first truck was coming toward him on. But this time, a man pulls over, gets out, looks at Roger, and says, Roger? What? Somebody he knows? Against all odds, the driver knew Roger. He was one of his customers from work. Oh my god. Yeah, he handed a Rod- he handed Roger a jug of water and he just drank as much as he possibly could because he was on the brink of death. Like they're all Literally. on the brink of death, but yeah. And only a few miles away, the girls were in just as bad if not worse shape than him. They couldn't go on anymore, and with no shade, all Shelly could do was bury Michaela and Tiffany in the sand up to their necks to try to cool them down. Shelly was so weak she couldn't even manage to cover them up in the dirt as the girls cried for help, but she couldn't help them because they're all so exhausted. It was the last desperate attempt to protect them from the heat, but she knew that it was too late. Meanwhile, an ambulance had pulled up to where Roger had been found, as well as a sheriff. And as soon as the rescue services had arrived, all Roger could say was, the girls, we have to get to the girls. They told him that they were going to take him to a hospital. But he said, my ass, you're going to take me to a hospital. You're going to, I'm going to come with you and we're going to find these girls. So he insisted he help in the search because he had to get his family. And they all immediately got into the sheriff's car and drove for hours, but there was no sign of Shelly and the girls. Roger thought their chances at that point were 50-50 at the absolute best, which is not great. But at that point, he's like, I'm not giving up. Yeah, if there's any chance. Exactly. Out of nowhere, Shelly hears the sound of a car off in the distance. But she had walked Michaela and Tiffany off of the path to try to get them out of the sun as much as possible. So she's far away from where this car is going to be driving past her. So she starts crawling toward the path on her hands and knees because that's all she could do. That's all she could manage to do because she was too weak to even get back up. But as she's crawling, she watches this car just drive past she couldn't even scream because she couldn't produce any sound with no moisture in her in her mouth. And the car just kept going past her. She was so dehydrated, she could barely move, and she just laid there on the dirt. And she told the girls that someone was looking for them, so they would be back. So all they had to do was just hang in there for a little bit longer. And when she said that, there was just silence. So she's thinking the worst. And she knew that if the car didn't come back soon, they would all be dead. 
Roger was also quickly losing hope, but prayed that it was going to be a rescue situation and not a recovery situation. And at last, they came upon the smoke of the fire the girls had lit, but they had left that fire. But in the sand, Roger had recognized their footprints because Tiffany and Michaela had been wearing sandals that had little circles in the treads. So he knew for certain that it was Michaela and Tiffany and Shelly that were at this fire. So now they knew that they had to be nearby. At that point, the full rescue team had been mobilized, but Shelly couldn't do anything at that point. And just as she had given up all hope, she heard a vehicle again, and this time she got up immediately and started running with her hands up, and she had seen that it was a ranger, and she used every last bit of energy she had to run toward them with her hands up, screaming. It was right on the cusp of life and death when Shelly and her girls were finally found. She ran directly into the rescue woman's arms and immediately collapsed and yelled, my girls, as she pointed back toward them laying in the dirt. Tiffany had gotten up out of the dirt and looked down at Michaela, whose eyes were closed and she wasn't moving, which scared her. So even though she had no energy left, she also ran up the hill toward her mother and the rescue woman, screaming that Michaela wasn't moving. The rescue woman ran to Michaela and carried her seemingly lifeless body toward them. Shelley had thought the worst as she saw this because Michaela was so small and she hadn't had water for two days, so it was really no saying whether or not she had survived. She had gone from being so excited for being saved to being heartbroken that she didn't do it in time. And the ambulance pulled up and everyone tried to wake her up, but nothing was working. They made it to the hospital where they were told that the trauma of everything was too much for Michaela and her kidneys had stopped working, but she was still alive. The hospital had the chaplain come into the hospital room to pray for Michaela, which to the family made them feel even worse and more scared because they thought that that had to be the end for her. Like, you don't see the chaplain unless someone's dying. Was the chaplain? Like a hospital priest. Oh, okay. Yeah. But thankfully, we're going to bring us up a little bit. It wasn't the end for Michaela. She woke up, and she was fine. <laughs> wow, did they have to, like, give her an IV or something? Yeah. yeah. Like, the, everything? Yeah, literally everything. Yeah, so Michaela woke up, and as she woke up, she saw her mom sitting next to her, smiling. So we got happy people, again. Michaela's oh, alive, God. Tiffany's alive, Roger's alive, and Shelly, who is mother of the year, is yeah, alive. for real. People say that you can only last out in that desert without water for eight hours, but they lasted two whole days. And Shelly says that that only came from her pure love for her daughters and her strong drive to survive. And that's the story of Shelly and Tiffany and Michaela and Roger. I don't have information on where are they now, but I assume that they are lovely people thriving today. Right. Is that not insane? That's insane. That I can't believe how close they got. They would only last eight hours. That's what people... They're, yeah, they're like, That's if you don't have saying. water in that heat, you're only supposed to last eight hours or something. I beg to differ, I guess. I mean, shit. You know? Even the five-year-old made it, like, two days. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. I can't believe that Roger's customer was in the desert, in this, like, remote part of the Arizona desert, and, like, yeah. saw him pulled over and was like, Roger? What are the chances? <laughs> like, I mean, what? Reality's usually crazier than shit that people write. Right? That seems fake. Like, if I saw that in a movie, I'd be like, 
come, come on. on. Like, that's not real. But it's that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And absolutely fuck those guys who drove yeah. away. I can't even imagine being that shitty of a person. I know. The other thing is, like, that's not illegal either. What? What they did. Oh, you not know, like, saving someone? Yeah, I know. It's so reprehensible, but technically not illegal. Right. You it's know? still shitty. I know, because I'm like, I'm so, I was so mad. I'm like, they should press charges or something, but. Nope. You can't. Yeah, I know. They're just assholes. But, I mean, the sheer will to live, the, the drive, the love that Shelly and Roger had for these girls. Oh my god. I can't even imagine that kind of fear and helplessness. Yeah, I know. At so many points, when he stopped sweating. That's scary. Yeah, that's scary. And then he just felt numb. That's like when you're getting hypothermia and you start to feel warm. You know, yeah, it's like that's when, when you know it's the end. Yeah. Yeah, and then I can't imagine how he brought himself to get up and keep going after that guy spit in his face. Seriously. And then Shelly seeing her daughters not move. I know. It gets it got really dark. Oh my god. But we got the light at the end of the tunnel. We yeah, made they it. All made they it made through. it. Yeah. Seriously. And you know what? I bet nobody's listening to any decisions that Roger has to make. <laughs> After that, Roger does not make a single decision. Yeah, what restaurant should we... Shut up, Roger. Shut the fuck up, Roger. (laughs) We are not going to Applebee's. (laughs) We're going to Chili's, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. But that's that story. Isn't that great? I don't know what to say. Isn't that crazy? Crazy? Yeah, it is. And uh, we have decided on the extra episode, the extra bonus episode that will be on Patreon is going to be about a very cold situation. So we're oh, going very cold. Yeah, we're going from the desert all the way up into cold, cold Canada on one of the coldest days of the year. So Alright, and for those that were just listening, she hit the woe I t- as she was saying it. <laughs> I didn't that was involuntary woe. It was. It was That's just right. it felt right. It did. And uh, I'm excited. So cold Canada. Mm-hmm. That'll mm. be on the bonus episode okay. on the Patreon. Uh soon in the next week or so where could i find and subscribe to that patreon oh my god you can find and subscribe to that patreon and join our discord server and all that fun stuff at patreon.com slash not today podcast anyway that was a shameless plug what's your good thing wow my good thing is that i have a friend jason Jason. coming in two weeks from now i think church i can't remember but he's coming in uh soon hell yeah visit Hey Jason. That's it. Hey Jason. My good thing is that I have a friend, Kaylee, coming in to visit me. And you also kind yeah, of. Yeah, first names only. First names only, baby. But uh yeah, we both have friends coming to visit, which is exciting. And yeah. We get we, to show them around LA. We'll show them around. Bit. Give them the old one, two. You know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna hit them, I promise, but that's you know, because you like the one, two, it seems like... I told you I'm brain dead. I don't know what you're expecting. This is really hard. Anyway, those are our good things. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> if you would like to follow us on Instagram and see all the pictures we post, all the stories we talk about, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast. We have a Patreon that is not today podcast. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast. We have a Twitter that is not today podcast. But the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And if you have a story, send it to us at nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. Just keep breathing yeah yeah